Hey, welcome to another episode of Funny and Handsome Guys, uh, your source for pop culture and witty repertoire amongst some funny and or handsome guys. Uh, as always, I am Kevin, and with me, as always, are... I'm Chris. And Reggie. Excellent. Okay, so it's Halloween. It's like my favorite holiday. But anyway, uh, yeah, so we got a good show for you this week. Um, we're going to be talking about Halloween because that's uh, a pretty awesome time of the year. And we're going to have our top five um, Halloween movies. And this is the top five movies that best encapsulate Halloween for us. It's not necessarily horror movies, but, you know... Maybe that's what you like most about Halloween, and that's your top five movies, but it doesn't have to be a horror movie. Um, and it's not necessarily the best top, best five horror movies, because that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, but first, we're going to be talking about uh, the new album from Flying Lotus. Um, it's our album of the week. Album of the week. Okay, so um, this is Flying Lotus. Uh, Until the Quiet Comes is their new album. Um, their last album was Cosmogramma, which was from a few years back, I believe, two thousand ten. Um, it's got it had a a few guests on it, including uh, Radiohead's. Uh, I always get this wrong, Chris. And you, Tom you York. Tom here. York. Tom York. It is Tom York. I, I, I never know if it's like Tom York or Tom York. Just I don't know. Imagine why, the why H is that. not there. Okay, Tom York. That sounds like a much more regular name. Yes, the the H is an English thing. Like they add some extra U's. Yeah, they just throwing in vowels and consonants like it's nothing. Yep. Um. But yeah, so this is their newest album, um, or his newest album. Uh, okay, so before we do anything, uh, let's listen to uh, a song from the album. Um, we're going to listen to Putty Boy Strut from Flying Lotus. So that was Putty Boy Strut from Flying Lotus's new album, Until the Quiet Comes. Uh, Reggie, what did you think about this album? Um, I 
Man, like I, I, I'd heard of Flying Lotus. I'd actually heard a little bit of Flying Lotus before, but this was um, probably the most I'd ever <laughs> experienced Flying Lotus at one time. And it, I, I really kind of have an aversion to, I think, mean, anything, any kind of genre with electronic <laughs> in the title, but I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. Um, the, the, I think it was more the, the jazz aspect of it than the, you know, electronic part that I appreciated, but at the same time, like it, it, you know, that, that didn't make it bad for me. Uh, I really, I really kind of like how it's very, you know, in the jazz sense, very free form. Um, and right when you think, you know, right when you start to get in a groove, right when you start to get in a pocket, like all of a sudden, boom, here comes something that, you know, uh, that you totally don't expect or, you know, like a, like a sequence that just kind of seems out of place, but you know, at the same time it doesn't, but again, that's jazz. Um, I also like, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he is a nephew of uh John Coltrane, which is pretty, pretty crazy. And it, it definitely, I think influences the jazz, uh, feeling of this. And there was a, oh man, what was the name of the track? With uh, uh, C, uh, was it C through to you? Was that the one with Erica Badu? Yes. Yeah, I, I really like. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, uh, especially with you know her vocally. Her her sound is very distinct, and I wasn't really quite sure how um, how they mesh, but they they absolutely did, and it was pretty pretty mind blowing. I'd say like very. I mean, it's very. Uh, I want to say trippy, but at the same time, very chill, you know, um, I had it on and, and Kylie was even in the background, like dancing <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, I think if, <laughs> if it could even reach her on a certain level that I think that speaks a lot about, uh, just how, you know, music brings people together, man. <laughs> Chris, what did you think? You know, I like Flying Lotus on record. Um, it's interesting because I've seen Flying Lotus live twice. And I, I guess it also speaks in part to my dislike of just sort of the DJ mentality. Even though Flying Lotus is by no means a DJ, you watch these performances live and it's people sitting behind a console pushing buttons or you know turning knobs and there's nothing to see i i don't think which is why the two times i've seen flying lotus i was just kind of like okay and i can understand that there's some impulse to dance you you just I don't know why you just couldn't put on the record, <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, uh, flying Lotus on record is good. Uh, and not the flying Lotus live is bad. It's just boring in the sense that again, nothing to see, but there's no performance. Yes. Yes. No, no performance. Uh, but that said, I was a big fan of the last album, Cosmogramma. I thought that that, albums experiments uh reggie mentioned you know like the the jazzy stuff some there's a lot more freeform jazz type work on cosmic grandma than there is 
on Until the Quiet Comes, which Until the Quiet Comes is actually a very good title for the album because unlike the last album, which was packed with so many instruments and packed with so many different arrangements, this is very simplistic and very back to basics. And there is a lot of space and air in these songs that it becomes like almost dreamlike in some ways and in some aspects. And, you know, we listen to Putty Boy Strut, which is certainly one of the more active tracks on the record. But for the most part, it's it's very spacey in nature, which is something it's in different direction for Flying Lotus. And it's also something that I like in my electronic music. Um, I admire people that are able to make something out of virtually nothing uh, because it seems like they're using every part to its fullest in a sense, if that makes sense. Um, so this record for me was different than the last one, but still good, still really enjoyable, still really, it feels important, especially when you listen to a lot of other electronic artists. You know, dubstep is the big thing these days and people love their dubstep and it's like oh you gotta wait for the drops and then it sounds like someone's old school modem you know <laughs> it sounds like somebody's playing a saw that's that's my uh feeling about yeah it. like whoop 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 yep. <clears throat> you know all that crazy stuff uh you just made yourself crazy. a dubstep dj like by doing that you have, <laughs> you have now thrown your hat in the game <laughs> that's right i'm gonna be uh gonna be recording under a different name you're not gonna know what's me <laughs> but uh my dubstep recordings will be legendary <laughs> uh but you know it's nice to hear somebody doing something different and granted there are a lot of electronic dance music genres and subgenres and whatever else is going on and i really think the flying lotus not only with this record, but in general, sort of stands out from the pack. And that's a good thing. And this record continues that. And I admire this record that much more because of that reason. Kevin, how'd you feel? Um, I agree with you. Like, I feel like this is sort of the album that you put on at like 2.30 in the morning. Um, when you're coming home from the bar, you're like sort of wrapping up your your night out or you know, your night in even, like maybe you have, you've just been hanging out and drinking and who knows what, and here you are and you're like, you know what, I'm going to put something on and just sort of chill out. It's sort of, to me, like when I, when I first heard it, I sort of thought it's like Vangelis, the old eighties and seventies, uh, early electronic band that, that did, a. All the really cheesy synthesizer soundtracks out there. Oh yes, decide, decided to go trip hop. You know, it's you know, it, it, it's such a almost ambient uh, uh, intended album. Um, but that's not to say that it's like empty. It's 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 simple. It's almost de it's deceptively simple, I think, and it's almost cloyingly so. But it's also um, 
rich, you know, it's, it's rich, complex. Um, it's this hip hop soundscape, um, that, that is like listening to the soundtrack of some artsy Asian film with some plot about existentialism and robots. Um, that sounds like it was pre-written. It was not. Ooh, well done. Off the cuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I told you, I don't do any homework for this. Um, no, it's, it's like you put it on the radio or the, you put it in your, uh, uh, CD player, you know, if, if you still have a CD player or you stream it over your iPod or whatever you listen to music on while you're driving through and the landscape, the, the cityscape is off in the background and maybe the, Sun is just starting to to rise or set. I don't know. It's it's like like you were saying, Reggie. It's it's got that sort of jazzy feel to it. And um, I I certainly had no experience with uh, Flying Lotus before this. Um, I didn't know what to expect, and so I've heard that their first album is actually a bit more um, in your face with a. Uh, uh, it's it's beats, but that's about as much as I know about them. Um, and this is definitely not like that. This is much more of a, a background music. Um, it's good, but it's not going to necessarily stand out for you. Like, there's not really any so uh, songs here that, I mean, just despite the fact that they all have, uh, uh, there's several with them. Um, some big names here. You got uh, Arika Baidu uh, and uh, Tom York and, uh, you know, Nikki Randa, a couple of tracks. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're not the sort of songs that are, are meant to like really stand out one from another too much. Uh, yeah. They sound differently. Um, you've got different influences to each song and they, there's definitely a distinctness between each of them, but that's not to say that you're going to listen to this and be like, I'm going to listen to track five instead of track seven. If that makes any sense. There, there's a flow to this record that it, there is that really sort of certain pieces make more sense when put into context and cherry picking stuff isn't necessarily the easiest uh, easiest way to take it in. It's true. And, I mean, it's it's a sort of album that um, that's not going to harm it. There are certain albums, they're, they're definitely like any sort of rock album, you want every song to sort of like stand on its own. This is not that sort of album where that's going to be a detriment to it. It's, it's a sort of album that works as a whole and... Um, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't recommend putting it on a mixtape where, uh, uh, unless that maybe that's what you're going for. It's it's not going to work mixed in with a bunch of other songs in quite the same way as it's going to work on a as a whole. I I would like to make a mention in regards to Radiohead's involvement with this record, and I say that because more than Tom York was involved, uh, Johnny Greenwood. Part of uh, one of his oh, orchestral compositions uh, called Guitar 12 is actually used in part on the song Hunger, 
Okay. Uh, but also, it just to sort of mention the, the Tom York track, which is Electric Candyman, which I love as a song title. It is. It's a great title. There, there are several great titles here. You got, uh, you know, Tiny Tortures and Putty Boy Strut and uh, Electric Candyman and Phantasm, which we're talking about horror movies. Phantasm is... Uh, a little bit of a cult favorite horror movie, and that's the first thing I I thought of when I saw that. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom York's contribution, uh, which everyone goes, oh, you know, Tom York guesting on a Flying Lotus record, and he did it on the last one, and the last one he was good. Uh, this one, what he does is his voice gets taken to the point where it's just a shell of what you would normally hear on a Radiohead recording or just any other sort of general Tom York guest spot. He sounds like he's barely there, and he's barely on the track at all, period. Which, I don't, you could even barely call it a, a contribution. You could almost say, especially, you yeah, you could almost say that they just used clips from the last time he was in the studio with Flying Lotus from the last record and just sort of slapped a couple little moans and, and things in there. Uh, but it's interesting. It's an interesting track nevertheless. Uh, but for those looking for like some sort of powerful Tom York performance, you know, he guested on a great track from Electro Group Uncle uh, about a, back in the 90s song called I, rabbit yes. in your headlights great song yes i remember that was played more than one occasion in our uh, dorm room back in college yes yes indeed and not only is it a great song but it also has a great music video attached to it which i recommend that everybody uh watch at least once but you know it's not that kind of contribution here uh <laughs> it, it's not like a full vocal song that can be released as a single this is Barely Tom York, and just anybody going in looking for for the great Tom York uh, cameo, you will likely be sorely disappointed. But if you're a fan of Flying Lotus, it'll be fine. You'll enjoy it anyway. You'll enjoy the song. You'll enjoy the record. That's kind of like the first, uh, I want to say one of the first couple seasons of South Park. Um, uh, George Clooney was a huge fan of the show, and he he like begged Trey Parker and Matt Stone to um, to be on the show. And they, they kind of reduced him to being the voice of, of Sparky the Gay Dog. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I don't want to say, like, Tom York was uh, improperly utilized, but, I mean, you know, like um, you, like, like you said, like, you know, for Flying Lotus. He, for Flying Lotus song. He was, he was, yeah, he was definitely used... For the purpose of, by, for, for for whatever purpose the 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 artist required, you know, it was not necessarily what he thought he was getting involved in, maybe. But it, in all actuality, he probably knew exactly what he was getting involved in. He was just sort of, you know, expecting not to to fully get whatever he recorded um, utilized. But you know, it's it's definitely an interesting look into uh, artistic. Uh, use of a collaborator like that. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Steven Ellison, who is flying Lotus and, and Tom York are actually really good friends. 
and they sort of he Tom York always pushes Flying Lotus's music on people in a sense. Uh, he he opened one of the the first time I saw Flying Lotus. He was opening for Tom York's solo slash supergroup project Adams for Peace. So, I mean, I don't think he cares too much. However, whatever way Flying Lotus uses him, no. It's it's in my opinion this this album is definitely one, and and I think I've, I've maybe emphasized the fact that it works well in in the background a little bit too much. I think this is definitely an album that's going to reward close listen. You know, if you're just put it, put it on and just sort of chill out listening to it. You're going to be rewarded uh, listening to the different, uh, you know, intricacies of of each track. So I don't want to make it seem like uh, it's too simplistic that that it it just sort of works in the background. Um, like I said, it's deceptively simple and um, rich and rewarding. Um, when you, you when you really listen to it, the closer attention paid, the the better off you are. I think. Yeah. Reggie, do you uh, do you concur? Or do you uh, do you think that the, that we're giving it too much credit? No. No, you guys are. I. Wow. Hold on, I have to wait for my brain <laughs> to reboot. Um... Oh. No, I do not disagree with you, gentlemen. I believe that you chaps are quite correct. All right. Well, that's uh, Flying Lotus Until the Quiet Comes. Um, you can catch it right now. It's streaming in a few different locations, I believe. And uh, it's available for purchase as well, if you want to do that. Support your artists. Thumbs up. Um, yeah, so so it's Halloween, and like I was relating earlier, you know, Phantasm was uh, a track on this last on our, our album of the week, and uh, that is a movie as well by Don Coscarelli, the director of such famous movies as Beastmaster and Bubba Hotep. Um, However, horror movies are not all that uh, Halloween is, is about, despite what I, I might want people to think. Um, do you gentlemen enjoy the season of, of, of that surrounds Halloween, uh, the holiday of Halloween? Honestly, it is one of my favorite holidays. It, it's probably in, in a realm of top holidays. It's definitely top three. It could be number one. Uh, for me, but I don't know. Considering the fact that I've, I'm not trick or treating anymore. That it, it sort of takes a little bit of the magic way, but instead I get drunk, so it's kind of any excuse. Trade for one party. for the other, and, and and I do still get to wear costumes, so it's always fun coming up with creative ideas. And given that my birthday is within a few days of Halloween as well, that that only adds to the pleasure of the holiday and the pleasure of the season for me personally. That is quite correct. And in fact, your, uh, your birthday may have come and gone by the time this uh, album comes up. This, this show, this, yes. this, this show, yeah. We are so, mighty So in, 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 yeah, in, in uh, uh, preparation for Happy Birthday. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Reggie, do you uh, enjoy Halloween? I, I do. I think, I think, just like Chris was saying, as you get older, you know, it's, it's hey, drinking in costume. Um, but, I, you know, in the, in the younger days, as if I need to make myself sound any older, you know, it was more, you know, just, because it's kind of like the last hurrah as far as before, you know, the weather gets too crazy. And, you know, you're it's true. you're doing lots of outdoor stuff, like your corn mazes and you know, hay rides and whatnot. And, um, I, I, and I guess, you know, like, we've already touched on the fact that this isn't my thing. But, you know, you take a date to the haunted house. And just so, you know, she's like, oh, and, and all, you know, grabbing closer to you. And you're like, it's okay, baby, this way. But uh, that was never me. I was more of the, oh, and um, I don't know too many girls who want to be led around by somebody who's screaming three times more than they are. (laughs) I I do want to say that uh, I am a laugher when it comes to haunted houses, which is equally bad in the sense of girls do not like it when you're laughing at things and they're scared out of their minds. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been known to have conversations with the guys who come up in the haunted house. Um, they come up and they're like, Aah! and I'm like, Hey man, how you doing? And they just sort of like, look at you and it's like, what? I'm like, so, uh, how long you been working here? <laughs> I, I actually was once in a haunted house and the guy jumped out and was like, and he did his whole thing and I was like okay very effective now I'm lost which way do I go and the guy goes (laughs) oh you go that way (laughs) you are out of character sir (laughs) Um, yeah I I mean I I have to say like it goes probably without saying that Halloween is one of my favorite seasons Um, I'm actually getting married on um, not the day that Halloween falls on but the day that many people are celebrating it on this year um, which is a pretty big thing. Um, and, uh, for that, um, as I've mentioned before, we're, we're having, uh, our bachelor party this coming weekend, or it's probably going to be, uh, in the past by the time this show goes up, um, of course, but, uh, we're going to a haunted house and, uh, I believe neither one of you guys are going to be able to be in the haunted house with me at this well, time. Well, being able to and wanting that's to okay. be able to. I mean, being able to and wanting <laughs> that's, to that's, are, are two different thing. things. Reggie, Reggie refuses to go inside because he's a, a chicken. But that's okay. I'm not judging. I'm just, I, I just think you're a coward. Well, chicken, and, is, uh, chicken is delicious, Kevin. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I I'm had not, some for I'm dinner tonight. So. <laughs> you, you saying you're not judging and then calling Reggie a coward is kind of judging. I I'm just I'm, I'm I don't think I'm judging I'm just uh, stating that he is a scary pants and that's, that's a, you know that's Kevin, that's okay. If I go, I will literally be clinging to you for life. You will be wearing me like a backpack <laughs> as I as I cry, as you slip on my tears, and you become deafened by my screams, and that I think. 
as funny as it would be, it would make it a lot... It would be a good story to tell after the fact, but while you're going through it, you'd be like, I understand now. Now I understand. <laughs> uh, Lindsay has told me that she's heard you scream. So I, I'm not sure when, but uh, she said it was amusing. So I will take her word for it. Um, do you guys have any, like horrific uh, Halloween stories like bad costumes or bad parties or uh, you know notable times in the past I was at a uh, Halloween party I don't know if it was last Halloween or the Halloween before uh, at someone's apartment and they had installed a stripper pole for the occasion as you do as you do as you do and uh one of my friends was a uh, fake cop for Halloween, but he had a friend who was a real cop who lent him his handcuffs for the night. And somebody went and took those handcuffs and handcuffed him to the stripper pool. Now, nice. he <laughs> then lost the key. <laughs> Which was not good. And... uh then the stripper pole eventually broke uh, because somebody tried to do some impressive stripper moves on it. And it was basically just, it wasn't even bolted in anywhere. It was just kind of pressurized in a doorway. So that pretty much knocked it down and it was useless for the rest of the night. So that was about the most oh, amusing good. thing that's happened to me on Halloween in a while. Didn't even happen to me. No. Reggie, any, uh, funny stories i i don't when i was in middle school the uh the jim carrey movie the mask was was i don't know if it's probably with everybody else but i absolutely love that movie everybody so love that movie when halloween 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 what am i medea when halloween halloween <laughs> came around um of course i wanted to be the mask so um so I went to the store, like the, you know, the, like one of the Halloween stores that pop up maybe about a month before and, you know, you buy your costume. So they had like the, um, like the, what is it? Like latex or whatever, venom mask of, it was like the official one. It had like the, you know, the trademark and I got it. And it, I mean, it looked like, ugh, but you know, whatever, it was the official one, like the tag said in the mask and it. Um, you know, they had, uh, they had the Stanley Upkiss, which was J Jim Carrey's character, and then they also had the villain from the, cause there's like a, you know, five minute span of the movie where the villain is wearing the mask, and so you could buy that one too, but like, I don't know who the hell would want to be that guy, but anyway, um, I noticed that there was another one that it looked a lot more like the, um, the movie, like what? Jim Carrey actually looked like in the movie, but it was like smaller and, and I was like, do whatever to knock off. This one has the actual like official, the mask tag on it. And, um, the group that I went to the haunted house with that year, um, there was another guy who had happened to buy the other mask and he went like all about, he got like, like his dad had this purple jacket and he had like all these crazy colors and he looked a lot more like 
Jim Carrey's character in the movie. And so here I was with my actual official one that didn't look quite right. And he had totally just, <laughs> he had, you know, gone to, he pulled out all the stops and I didn't. And it made me look bad. And so that was a disappointing. Somebody stopped you. I I just want to say that uh, a clear indication of early um, sociopathy is probably a child being like, I don't just want to be Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey's character from The Mask. I want to be the bad guy from The Mask because that's cooler. Which it may be, but that's that's definitely got to indicate like sociopathy, like killing small animals, you know, <laughs> setting things on fire, wanting to be the villain from the mask. Um, I uh, I, I could never pull off costumes. I love Halloween, but I could never pull off a costume. I uh, I've probably gone as a cowboy about four or five times when I was a child. Um, my earliest uh bad memory about a bad uh, costume was uh, I wanted to go as a dragon and uh, I was in second grade and I went as a dragon and one of the girls that was there was like, you look like you look like a, a, a freak I mean I was in second grade so this was very traumatic um, and um Later, when I was in junior high, I played. Uh, I wanted to be a, uh, a werewolf, and uh, of course, that's that's very difficult to pull off. But I was I was determined, and I I did not pull it off. I uh, somebody's told me that I look like I fell and my face fell into a, a pile of shit. Ooh. But uh, and this most recent uh, past Halloween, um, I wanted to go as uh, Lindsay and I were like, oh, we're gonna go as. Uh, like some film noir characters, and so I was like, "Yes," and and I'll, I'll I'll dress up in a suit with like a fedora and like, uh, you know, trench coat. One of those, not not a trench coat, which would have probably pulled it off better, um, but those are expensive, so I wasn't gonna like spend that much money. Um, but uh, uh, one of those uh, uh holsters that you pull out from like your side, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had that. And uh, I showed up to this party, and Reggie, I don't know if you were there or not, um, but I showed up, and everyone thought that I was our hipster friend because I had a uh, uh, the fedora on. Nice. I think like, I know oh, who you're talking you, uh... about. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to speak their name just in case, but yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw out their name, but. I felt bad because I was like, I'm not coming as him. But yeah. Um, Another successful costume for you, Kevin. Always. You know, I, I've got a string of them. The, the best example, though, the best, the best time, the best costume I ever had was probably the most simple. And that was, I just made a bucket of fake blood in our dorm room and dumped it on my head. That's your Skype and, picture, isn't it? That's my Skype picture. It's it's old. It's like probably close to like eight years old. It was effective though. Very effective. It was. It was. And like I remember I was living in the Catholic dorm at the time. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you and I were roommates at the time. But uh, I had all these um, 
people coming to the room because they wanted to borrow some fake blood. Um, like people I had never met before. And they're like, Hey, you're the guy with the fake blood. I was like, I was like the dealer of fake blood. Like everybody was like, Hey, you got some, you got some fake blood for me, man. What, what, what do I need to do to get some fake blood? It's like the chicken strips on community. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, it, the the best time though was the best part of it was I went down to the uh, cafeteria and sat down and was eating in costume because everybody was in costume and I was a little worried that I maybe went a little bit far for a Catholic dorm and I heard a few people a couple of uh, one of the priests was like oh I think I think that's a bit much I think that's a bit much um, but then one of the nuns came up to me and it was like I love your costume that is awesome. And so I, I think that's a success. Imitating our Lord and Savior on the cross. Wow, that takes guts. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but anyway, um, but with uh, with Halloween comes um, comes uh, uh, Halloween movies. Um, not always necessarily horror movies, though those are often what we go to. Um, our top five this week are the top five Halloween movies. Top five, top five, top five. Oh, yeah. So I'm just going to start this off real quick. Um, our top five horror, our, our top five Halloween movies are not necessarily top five horror movies. Um, I'm going to probably throw it out there that all mine happen to be horror movies, but that doesn't mean that that's what this uh, list is necessarily about. Um, I'm going to throw a special, uh, a special notice for, for nightmare on our uh, nightmare before Christmas, um, which I really like, but it, it's not going to make my list. Um, but it, it didn't make it by just that much, and so I, I wanted to throw that out there so nobody thought that I, I maybe forgot it or something. Kevin, that that's actually my number six pick, the one that I was debating <laughs> to include and didn't. Exactly. It, it would be my number I six. I actually six. consider it more of like a Christmas movie, so I didn't. that's why it didn't make mine. That's that's the thing. Like, I, It didn't make my list because it's, it's definitely, for me, like sort of in between the two. It's almost a November Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> Split the difference. But, uh, so my number five, I'm going to start this out. Um, my number five is a slasher film that for me just sort of encapsulates the feeling of, uh, slasher films from the eighties. Um, that it, it's not terribly scary, but it's pretty gory and it's just got sort of like a fun atmosphere to it. And that is Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. This was the first film featuring um, uh, Patricia Arquette. It also has uh, Lawrence Fishburne in it as a hospital orderly. Um, and this is a follow-up to the first film, really, because the second film um, is sort of the black sheep of the of the series. It's... Um, it's a film where where it's about a gay kid, and it's very obvious that it's about a gay kid, but the director wanted to be very subversive. And so the second one is really subversive 
and is is definitely worth a look, I think. But the third one for me is sort of is, encapsulates the fun, gory, you know, just sort of morbid uh, 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 fun of Halloween, and that's why it made my list. So, Chris, what's your number five? My number five is in keeping with the you know barely tossing the Nightmare Before Christmas off my list. Uh, my number five is It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Uh, you know, the, the Charles Schultz classic. Most people recognize the, the Peanuts for their Christmas special. And while I do find that one to be very charming and enjoyable, I find It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown to be just a little bit better. In my personal opinion, I suspect most people would disagree. However, uh, it, I, I don't know if I would disagree with you, actually. I, I really like that uh, that one. Yes. It, you know, gets me in the mood for Halloween, trick-or-treating, even though I don't trick-or-treat anymore. Uh, and, you know, sitting there hanging out in a pumpkin patch, which I don't really ever do. But still, reason for the season, I guess. Uh, that's That's the sort of film it is for me. So uh, well, my list five. goes all over the place, like to kids' movies, to definitely not kids' movies. Um, but it, it kind of starts with a kids' movie. And uh, my number five would be Monster House. Um, it's it's a couple years old. I want to say it came out in like probably like 2006 or 2007. Um, so it's not too old. Um, it's, it's an animated one. But, I mean, the cast, the, just the cast list on this one alone. To me, it makes it noteworthy. Uh, it has uh, Steve Buscemi, Mitchell Musso, Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jason Lee, Kevin James, Nick Cannon, John Heater, and Kathleen Turner. And the icing on the cake is that it was written by it's Dan Harmon by... um, of Community Fame. Oh, former com- Community Fame, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's yeah. a pretty it's a pretty enjoyable movie. That's a great choice. I I hadn't even considered it, but that that is a really good one, and I think it's an underrated film. I, I think um, it should have won the Best Animated Feature Oscar that year. I don't remember what it was up against, but I think I think it definitely would have posed a, a threat to whatever it went up against. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're off to a pretty good start here. I think uh, my number four. Uh, may bring that all down, though. It is Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter. Um, this is not a good movie, and that's why I, I wanted to say that the, the top five are not necessarily the top horror movies. They're the top five um, Halloween movies. This is a movie that is as cheesy as all get out. It features Alice Cooper as a homicidal uh, demon-possessed bum. Um, that kills people. So with, he uh, didn't a bicycle. Wait, he's he's not that. So it wasn't much right? of a stretch for him, is, is is what you're saying? Hey, oh, uh, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's it's out there. Um, it's 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 about a uh, mysterious canister, like this this uh, big uh, uh thing that apparently hosts this this goo that is apparently the uh, uh, embodiment of 
the Prince of Darkness or Lucifer's son. Not not it, it, it's it's the son of of the of Satan or something like that. Um, I can't even really tell you what it's it's all about, and it's older than than uh, it's like three thousand years old, so it's it's ancient. And this church was built on top of it somehow, and it's just ridiculous, over the top. And I have to watch it every Halloween because if it's not, if I'm not see if I've not seen this movie at least once, it's not really hot Halloween. Um, but I definitely recommend it. Like as as far as people, um, they should go check it out for for a fun like different sort of ex- film experience because. It's it's definitely unique and entertaining. And it's actually part of um John Carpenter's uh, Apocalypse trilogy, which includes The Thing as well as um In the Mouth of Madness, uh, which is a really great trilogy, um thematic trilogy at least. Uh they they don't really plot-wise connect to each other, but it's a good threesome of movies interesting chris what's your number four uh my number four is the 1984 classic gremlins i got uh written by chris columbus directed by joe dante uh stars zach galligan whatever happened to that guy uh phoebe cates and with, with also a nice appearance from Corey feldman uh you don't feed the mogwai after midnight and of course, when some and don't get them wet, <laughs> the rules <laughs> the rules were broken, my friend, and and the gremlins came out and uh, spawned a sequel as well, uh, which was some some would argue that the sequel's no, even better than the, no, the original. No. In, uh, I, I'm including the original on my list. I'm not I'm not saying the sequel. Uh, I'm not putting the sequel on the list. Uh, That's fair, but. Uh, you know the sequel is almost almost equally good, I would say. But I would say the sequel is is the Evil Dead two to uh, Gremlins Evil Dead. That yeah, that that's probably a fair assessment of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, enjoyable, funny, and dark and twisted and creepy. Uh, it, it makes for a, an excellent Halloween film, if you ask me. But it's but it's a Christmas movie. That's another one that would be on my list. But it's a Christmas. Yeah, I would. Movie. Yeah. That that is also true. Uh, but it's still it's it's got that vibe to me. Uh, that that horror Halloweenish vibe, in spite of its Christmas theme. I think they should have just called it. Instead of Gremlins, they should have just called it my first horror movie, <laughs> because I think that that was everybody's experience with it. It's true. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was like a wee lad. Um, and they're talking about having Gremlins three, which would be interesting. And and I don't know, have you guys ever seen the movie uh, Critters? It's a uh, total Gremlins knockoff. Um, I have not seen it. The uh, the third one actually features Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think it was one of his first films. Um, and Billy Zane uh, is in the first one. But it's it's about like 
uh, homicidal aliens that are being hunted by some bounty hunter um, from across space. And uh, sort of like Predator? Sort of like Predator meets Gremlins, yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. David Twoey, uh, is a, uh, or Tui, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He, he actually wrote one of them and he went on to do, uh, Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick as well as, um, like The Fugitive and, uh, he did an early version of Alien 3, um. But yeah, definitely a breeding ground, and I think that it, if you're interested in Gremlins, you should check out Critters, just because it's kind of the low-rent version of Gremlins, and fun on its own. Interesting. Okay. I might eventually get around to seeing that. <laughs> Reggie, what's your number four? Uh, my number four would be Idle Hands. Um, it's a movie I was introduced to in high school. Um, and it kind of, there's, there's like a, for some reason, stoner humor and stoner movies are fascinating to me. Like, I really like, like stoner comedies, like, uh, pretty much all the Jay and Silent Bob movies think they're hilarious. Actual stoner culture in my life couldn't really give two shits. But for some reason, um, this is probably, like, one of my first, like, stoner comedy movies. Um, and uh, the the plot line is that Devin Sawa is the star. And um, it, it's the the whole thing is based on the, the, the quote that the idle, idle hands of the devil's playground. And uh, it's, it's about this kid who he just kind of does nothing but smoke weed all day. And um, as a result, the devil manifests its, itself in his hand. And so his hand uh, becomes his killer hand, and he ends up, like, killing his parents, and he has to detach his hand, and then his hand goes about the town killing all his friends and and peers. Um, And and then, actually, two of his friends, two of his stoner friends become, like, stoner zombies that, like, help him (laughs) thwart the hand in the end. It's, (laughs) It's more of a comedy than anything. Um, Jessica Alba was like one of Jessica Alba's first movies. Um, uh, Seth Green was one of the stoner zombie friends. Uh, it's, it's, it's a funny movie, uh, not spectacular by any means, but you know, for personal reasons, one of my favorites. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's something of a parody of the old uh, Oliver Stone movie, uh, The Hand, which featured uh, Michael Caine, which is a much more serious movie. And I would say not as good as Idle Hands, actually. Um, Idle Hands is, is a fun movie. I, I actually really enjoy that one. My number three is Creepshow, a film by George Romero and written by Stephen King. It's a vignette series film that uh, sort of took its um, inspiration from the old uh, EC comics back in the uh, 50s um, and 60s, the the sort of comics that you didn't want your mom and dad to find that you had because they were horrifying and disgusting and um, 
were bad influences on you. Uh, but it, it has one hell of a, a lineup. It's got Ed Harris and Ted Danson. It's got Hal Holbrook, the uh, the excellent Hal Holbrook, as well as uh, Adrian Barbeau um, and Leslie Nielsen. Um, Galen Ross, who's uh, most famous for her performance in Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's it's just an excellent like series of over the top horror shorts that um, definitely have that old comic book feel. It's it's one of the best I think comic book films out there because it captures the feeling of a comic book so well, um, just sort of over the top and um, bubblegummy um, in in nature. Uh, nothing is is too threatening. Um, too realistic. Uh, you've got Stephen King in a great um, bit where he's a uh, a hillbilly that that finds a uh, a meteor that crashes by, and he touches it, and everything that it this this meteor touches is covered in this grass growth, and it ends up covering him, and it's it's horrifying, and and darkly funny, and. I don't know. It's 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 a fun Halloween film for me. Now, now does Stephen King wind up getting hit on the side of the road because he's made of grass? <laughs> I'm just gonna have to be throwing in all the uh, the rim shots for this episode. <laughs> um, no, no, he does not. Uh, Although I just saw Misery, and that would make an excellent uh, addition to this list as well. But I think Creepshow is probably the uh, Stephen King movie that I'm going to throw on here, even above uh, The Shining, which, uh, spoiler alert, is not on my list. It is. Even though The Shining is a great movie, and I think works as a Halloween movie very well as well. The Shining is actually one of my all-time favorite horror films, probably top five, and it, by the way, also not on my list. Yes. But like we said, this is not uh, top five uh, horror films, top five Halloween films. So, Reggie, what is your number three? Or actually, Chris, All right. what is your I'll, number I'll three? Because it's my turn, technically. Yes, yes. Uh, my number three is a film that I've mentioned on this show a few times before. And in fact, I think it was in my top five list on the last show. Uh, it is Donnie Darko. Uh, a movie that takes place pretty much through the entire month of October, leading up to the day before Halloween, uh, which is October 30th is the day that Donnie Darko, that the jet engine goes crashing through Donnie Darko's bedroom. Uh, and it consists the night before they have a big Halloween party when the parents are away. Uh, everyone's in costume and there's all sorts of... and. Prior to that, there's the the guy in the bunny costume. So it's a little bit creepy, a little bit leading up to Halloween. Uh, very much a fall movie, I would call it. And uh, as we addressed in, in the other show, Kevin, I know that you were... That the film's impact has been lessened by your watching of the director's cut, which is why it still remains pristine in my mind because I have not seen the director's cut. Good on you. Don't see it. Resist the temptation to see the the director's cut on that one. Fun fun fact, though, actually, about that. 
I think that I was destined to not see it because the two times I was supposed to see it, uh, one time I was going to an early screening of it and the print did not arrive, so they could not show it. And the second time was on DVD and the DVD was scratched up and I could not watch it. Well, I think it's meant not to be, which is, is good. Somebody's saying you should not see it and ruin it for yourself. I think so. So, Reggie, what's your number three? Uh, my number three, um, I when I was younger, I had a ginormous crush on Thora Birch. And she happened to be in the movie Hocus Pocus. So that automatically meant that I saw it. I had like the junior novelization, uh, just because like, you know, it had, that was, it was back in the day when they had like the junior novelizations where like randomly in the middle of the book, there'd be like no pictures, of the entire book, but like randomly in the middle, there'd be like pictures, like three pages of pictures that like tried to summarize the, <laughs> the movie. The, the full color photos. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, uh, like, I remember, I remember when I was younger, I had one for Gremlins, Gremlins 1, and, um, but I got it secondhand, so it was, like, missing, like, one of the, uh, <laughs> it was missing one of those pages, but anyway, um, so I, when I was younger, I watched this movie for Thora Birch, but, like, actually thinking about it, like, the, like, backstory of, uh, of, like, the, the guy Thackeray Banks, who was, like, cursed to be, like, the cat, and, like, the, you know, just the fact, like, these witches were around. Like, I think that was, like, the first, like, deep Halloween movie, like, I'd ever really seen. And and for that reason, it's my number, it's my number three. That's a, that's definitely the, the Halloween movie of grade school for me. I, um... I recall uh, uh, whenever it would come around Halloween season, they'd be like, oh, time to put on Hocus Pocus. So that's a definitely a perennial favorite here. Um, so my number two, uh, kind of an easy one out, uh, Halloween. Um, of course, the first one, uh, the second one, and beyond all sort of are... Um, I, I would say they lessen the, the, the awesomeness of the first one. Uh, the first one almost plays as this sort of meditation on evil. And uh, beyond that, they sort of start to explain it away, and it, it just loses some of the effect. Uh, I do want to throw a special shout-out, though, for Halloween Part 3, Season of the Witch, which I, I want to, like, applaud for being both batshit crazy and brave and not nearly as bad as everyone thinks it is. Um. I think people should give it another chance. If it wasn't named Halloween, it would probably do even better. Um, people would, would probably remember it fondly. Um, but yeah, Halloween. It's an easy one for me. Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, the the creature, or the, the, the being, or whatever you want to call him, the figure um, of Michael Myers stalking and killing teens after they have sex. And then it all comes down to Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the final girl and stands up to him and, um, 
Yeah, so that's it's it's a classic, and it's the ultimate slasher film. I don't think you can say much more than hasn't already been said about it. I actually uh, would have put Halloween on my list, but I personally felt uh, like it was a little too on the nose. <laughs> well, I I didn't want a, a repeat of um, I believe it was one of my first uh, one of our first episodes where. I said, you know, I'm going to throw these people or throw these couple uh, comic book movies out. You know, I'm going to say these are these are the um, honorary movies that I'm I'm going to say that I'm not even going to consider because they're just so good and they're just so on the nose for being comic book movies and uh, too obvious to choose, I guess. But yeah, no, I, I totally get that. So, Chris, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is going back to, to 1984 once more to talk about Ghostbusters. Yes, the Ivan Reitman-directed classic starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and uh, Ernie Hudson. Also has Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis. Bunch of great, great actors in this film, uh, which is part sort of horror film and also mostly a comedy. Uh, if you have not seen Ghostbusters, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, uh, it is a classic about four guys that get together to fight ghosts. And they take them down and they put them in their containment unit. And not only did I watch Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2 and Ghostbusters the Animated Series and had... Uh, about three different Ghostbusters video games. I I was heavily into Ghostbusters. I even had the old school toys with the proton packs that you strap on and uh, all sorts of great Ghostbusters stuff. I was obsessed with Ghostbusters. I love that film. That's why it's my number two. Excellent. I don't know if I told you guys, but at the um, uh, when I was at the CM Punk panel at Wizard World... There was one of the, I, I guess he was one of the members of the uh, the Chicago chapter of the Ghostbusters. He went to ask him a question, and before before the guy could even start talking, CM Punk goes, "Wait, wait, 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 what are you, some kind of cosmonaut?" And the the Ghostbuster says, uh, "No, I'm a I'm an exterminator. Someone saw a roach in this building." And and CM Punk <laughs> says, um, "Oh man, that must be some cockroach." And I just thought that was amazing <laughs> that they could have that exchange. Like he was that much of a nerd that he's like, "Yes, yes, I, I, I know this. I know this." <laughs> That's nice. great. That's good fan service there. Um, yeah, Ghostbusters is is an awesome movie, and I'm dreading the fact that they want to do Ghostbusters three now. Probably without Bill Murray. Probably definitely without Bill Murray. Oh. Um, Reggie, uh, do we do you number no, two? But we can. Okay. So Reggie, Reggie, what is your number two? Um, my number two was actually mentioned by Chris not that long ago, so I'm not going to say too much about it. Um, but, uh, Donnie Darko to me, um, the reason why I makes this list is because it seems like there were, there was like a, uh, kind of a rash in the eighties where when there was Halloween scenes that 
someone always had to be the the skeleton, you know, like with like the long like footy PJs that looked kind of like X-ray, and then they'd paint their face like a skeleton, which is funny because um, in Donnie Darko it was Donnie, and even in um, in Karate Kid. Like, when, uh, the Cobra Kai guys, like, they, uh, I'm pretty sure they were all, like, skeletons like that, and even in a movie that I'm gonna bring up later, um, that shows up again, but for that, for that reason, Donnie Darko, well, besides the fact that, like, like Chris already said, it takes place during October, Donnie Darko's my number two. Again, what can you say about it? It's, a, it's a, that's a good choice, um... And have you seen the uh, director's cut? I haven't. I don't. I mean, I you you make me interested in it, don't like it. I. Don't but I want to now. <laughs> like oh, you, the more you say no, the more I know. You exactly. I know. It's it's like the forbidden fruit. Okay. Well, we're on our number one picks here, and uh, I'm just gonna keep it going here. And uh, my number one then is uh, The Exorcist. Um, Again, what can you say? It's it's just like one of the greatest films that have ever been made, and uh, it's I, I with with the the credits whenever they come on, um, with the red background, it just it screams Halloween to me. Um, it's got this naturalist vibe to it that uh, I don't think nearly enough horror films have been able to use. Uh, Effectively, at least, I, I definitely think there have been several out there that have tried to use it and um, have failed. But some of the best horror movies make you feel like it's absolutely possible. And this one is so good because um, it's it's a supernatural situation, um, and it just plays so naturally that you have no question that there's this demon present. It, it's done without a lot of special effects. It's it's actually pretty pretty simple of a film if you think about it, um, and yet it's so masterfully made. Um, and yeah, it's again not Halloween unless I've seen The Exorcist. So, Chris, what's your number one? Uh, but- before yeah, before I mention my number one, Kevin, top five horror films of all time for me. Also, Exorcist is in there, if not number one. Yeah, I I would say it's it's right right up there. I I and I think that uh, the version you've never seen, which everybody's seen, everybody has seen at this point, it's the worst title for a director's cut ever. But uh, the the version you've never seen has a great extended opening with. Uh, uh, Max von Sydow out in uh, Jerusalem, um, and it's it's just so just so perfect. And I think it's something that they wanted to do more with in The Omen. And The Omen is is a fun movie and definitely a perennial Halloween classic for me. But it just pales in comparison to The Exorcist and what they do with that. Yes, absolutely agreed. Uh, So my number one pick is actually the 1988 film Beetlejuice. Yes, Tim Burton, 
with a cast that includes, among other people, Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, uh, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara. Uh, let's see. Oh, we cannot forget, of course, about perennial pedophile Jeffrey Jones. Um, all of them. A quick quick joke uh apparently they were talking about doing beetlejuice 3 beetlejuice 2 uh, or beetlejuice 2 rather um with uh tim burton um when he was going over recent uh uh advertisements uh press junkets for dark shadows and they were asking him if he was doing it and he said yeah actually and the writer of dark shadows is currently working on a script for it um and then they turned to to johnny depp and they go well Will, will you guys be getting uh, uh, Michael Keaton back? And yes, Michael Keaton would be coming back. And uh, they turned to Jeff uh, to, to Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. They turned to Johnny Depp, and they say, "Well, Johnny Depp, what what uh, role would you play? You're, you're always in Tim Burton's movies." And he goes, "I'm going to be playing Jeffrey Jones." <laughs> nice. So I like it. Continue though. Yes, so Beetlejuice, uh, if, if you've never seen it, um, basically what happens is Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis play a couple who die, and when they die, uh, they remain in the house that they died in, and they have a bunch of new people that move in, a new family, and the new family is annoying, and they're you know changing the house in ways that they don't like. So what happens? They find out about this guy named Beetlejuice. And if you say his name three times, he comes around and he hangs around. And he will sort of do you a favor. He's a bio-exorcist, if you will. Uh, and he will go around freaking out the inhabitants of whatever house you call him into. And so he goes and sets about terrifying and trying to get rid of, uh, get rid of this family who seem to be more receptive to the idea than you might otherwise have thought. Uh, so it's a very, very amusing film with a classic performance from Michael Keaton, who, again, if they do the sequel, will hopefully be excellent. Um, and so it's a really entertaining, fun, darkly Halloween-y fall film for me. That's why it's my number one. Reminds me that uh, I need to go watch the old Nickelodeon cartoon again. Oh, my. I actually had a surprising amount of the uh, the toys from Burger King for the uh, the Beetlejuice cartoon <laughs> when I was little. <laughs> Excellent. Reggie, what's your number one? Um, my number one, like I was, I was, I was saying about the um, the skeleton... Uh, costume also shows up in E.T. Um, and this is one of the first movies I remember watching, but the Halloween scene where they take E.T. to retreating and he sees the kid with the knife through his head and he tries to heal him and then he sees the kid dressed up as Yoda and he's like, oh, hey! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's the dude that, uh, that, that lives two blocks away from me. Like, I always thought that was really funny as a kid and that always stuck with me. That's awesome. I, I can't believe I didn't even think about E.T. as a uh, Halloween film. But Nor it, did I. That That's a great choice, Reggie. I mean, for a lot of other reasons, 
It's a it's a great movie. I mean, oh, a lot definitely. of people. I, mean, I read this a article, classic in general. Um, uh, I want to say like a month or so ago. It was called E.T. is bullshit, and it was just kind of revisiting the movie and and saying how it doesn't hold up after all this time. And I emphatically disagreed with it and almost wrote like a counter blog. And then I was like, you know what? They're entitled to their stupid opinion. Just let them have it. I, I still think it's a wonderful movie, and I. I you know I can't wait till Kylie's old enough and I can sit her down. We can watch it together. Now, are, are you going to show her the version where the people go running around with flashlights, or the one where they actually have guns? Um, I think right now the only version I own is the 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 flashlight version. But I don't I don't know if there's like a Blu-ray or something that has both versions. Uh, I don't know. I'll look into it. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Spielberg uh, removing the guns from E.T.? Well, he's he's definitely um, gone out and said that he regrets doing it. It was one of the stupidest moves he's ever made, he said. And um, he's put him back in in the most recent release. So I can forgive him because he's he's punished himself. And uh, Unlike George Lucas. Yes. I think, I think uh, Steven Spielberg, though, realizes... Um, what he's done though here and George Lucas is not or doesn't care one of the two I don't know probably the second one probably he's, he's too busy uh, bathing in uh, vats of money yes anyway so that's the our top five Halloween films um, if you've seen any of these movies and want to Give us your thoughts, or if you uh, have your own top five list for Halloween movies, we'd love to hear them. Uh, give us a call, or shoot us an email, or hit us up on Twitter. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and you can get any of our links to any of those things on our blog. Um, or it's... I tell you at the beginning of the show, in the little blip that we do. Uh, so, there's that. Rewind the show. Go 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 go! Do that right now. Get the number. Call us up. Leave us your. your but now you realize you've created an eternal loop, so no one's ever going to stop listening to this particular episode because they're going to get to this part and they're going to listen back at the and beginning and going. listen through the entire thing and get to this part right here and go back and listen. So you've created you've created a a, 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 a Kyle Reese Terminator Perpetual. paradox in itself in this episode. <laughs> Much like Looper. And at that, we'll leave it at there. So see you guys next week. <laughs>